what is Titus's role in the church? He's a something in the church. Who can tell me? He's a yes, Micah. A leader, that's right, that's right. Okay, very good. Well, I've got a new question for you. Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? Just think about that. I don't want you to answer, just think about it. Why did Jesus die? Well, you know, our passage we looked at today said that Jesus died for a particular reason. He died to make us Pure, to make us pure. That's funny. Who thought of that one? Is that what you thought of? Well, that's what Paul said to Titus in his letter. Jesus died to make us pure. Have a look there at verse 13. Our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us, why? To redeem us from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. See, here in Titus it says that Jesus died to purify us. But what does it mean to be pure? What does it mean? Well, I've got here some nice clean water. This water came from our tank and it went through a filter. Does that look nice and clean? Do you reckon you'd drink that? That's pure water, isn't it? It's pure because it's not dirty. It's pure and clean and good to drink. Now, why didn't I just go with my bottle and fill it up down in the duck pond or the wetlands? Would that water be pure? It's all right for ducks, isn't it? But you wouldn't want to drink it, would you? What about the toilet? I could have just gone out up the stairs and gone to the toilet and filled it up. Would you drink that? No, that wouldn't be pure, would it? No. See, pure means not dirty. Pure means clean and good, doesn't it? That's what pure means. Now, we've thought about some things that make water dirty, haven't we? Ducks and toilets and dirt and mud and all sorts of things. That makes water dirty. But what makes people dirty? I wonder who can help me. What makes people... Yes, Elias. Sin. You're right on, mate. Sin is what makes people dirty. Sin is when we disobey God, isn't it? It's when we say no to God. We don't want to live your way. We don't want you to be our king and tell us how to live and to rule us. We want to rule ourselves and live our own way. Sin makes us dirty and impure. And all of us, the Bible says, and here in Titus, all of us were impure. All of us were sinful and dirty before Jesus saved us. Now, just like we only want pure water to go into our bodies, God only wants pure people to be his special people. And because there was no one pure, God had to do something about it, didn't he? God had to make people pure. He had to change us. And see there in verse 14... He, it tells us how he did that. He redeemed us from all wickedness to purify for himself a people eager to do what is good. See, Jesus died to rescue us, to redeem us, to save us from sin and wickedness and to make us pure so that we will stop sinning and live good and godly lives. 
Now, in this letter that Paul wrote to Titus, and as he told Titus, you remember last week, he gave Titus a special job. And we saw that special job. Paul said, hey, Titus, you need to appoint leaders in the church. And remember last week, we thought all about what the, what Titus, the book of Titus says about what a good leader looks like, the kind of leader that Titus needs to appoint in God's churches. And here in the chap- second chapter that we looked at this morning, Paul keeps going and keeps giving Titus more instructions. And he said what a leader must be like, but now he's talking about what a leader must do. And a leader must teach God's people to do what? What did he say? Have a look there in verse 1. What does a leader have to teach God's people to do? To? Yeah, teach them good teaching because he needs to teach all people to obey God, to live godly lives. And did you notice, are leaders in God's church just supposed to teach some people to obey God? Do we just teach kids to obey God or just people who have ten fingers and ten toes and yellow hair and no? All people, wasn't it? Older women, younger women, older men, younger men, all people need to obey God and live godly lives. All people, just like leaders, need to be blameless, don't they? But how can a leader teach people to be blameless? How can leaders teach people to be godly? Now, in that marshmallow video, what was it that made some of the kids choose not to eat the yummy, delicious, nice-smelling marshmallow? Jess? It was very tempting, wasn't it? And what what made some of them stop from eating the marshmallows? Yep. Ah, that's right. They knew they'd get another one. What taught them not to eat that marshmallow was their desire to have two marshmallows. That's what taught them to say no to that yummy, delicious marshmallow. But what teaches us to say no to sin? Because sin is a little bit like a marshmallow, isn't it? Sin, oh, it looks good, it sounds good, it smells good, it tastes good. Sin's actually really attractive, isn't it? Lots of the time, sin just looks like something we really want to do, even if we can't understand why. What can teach us to say no to sin and to live a godly life? Well, I've got some ideas here. Let me see what you think. I reckon leaders, to try and help us to be godly, can just give us a really big book of rules. What do you reckon? Do you reckon if I came and I just started reading this big book of rules to you, would that help you be godly? No, you might listen to some of the rules, but will that change your heart so that you want to say no to sin? No, a big book of rules, I don't think, well, that's not what Paul asked Titus to do, was it? No, well, if a big book of rules doesn't work, maybe this. Oh, please, please be good. Just please, please, pretty please, I'm begging you. Be good, be good, be godly, please. Is that going to work? No. Is that what Paul told Titus to do? No. What about, oh, I need to try a new strategy. Just be good, please, just do it. Do it now. Does that help? Is that going to make you, is that going to help you be good? Is that going to change your heart so that you want to be good? 
No. Well, what about if I bribe you? I'll give you all lots of marshmallows if you're good. I've got some chumpa chops. I'll give you chumpa chops. Will that work? Maybe when I'm watching, but then when I'm not watching, no, that won't work, will it? Well, oh, I know, I've got another one. This will definitely work. You better be good or else. I've got the paddle. This is the be good paddle. If you're not good, you're going to get a good whack. What do you reckon? Do you reckon... Do you reckon that's how leaders can encourage us to be good and godly and live pure lives? No, they're not good ways, are they? Well, what can actually change our hearts? What can actually help us to be godly? Well, Paul tells us here in Titus 2, did anyone notice that in our reading today we had our memory verse from last week, our memory verse for holidays? Let's have a look again. Have a look at verse 11. But instead, we're going to use your printouts, kids, okay? So that little colouring in page you've got, because it's slightly different there, okay? So let's read it together. Are you ready? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to everyone. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives while we wait for our God and Saviour to come. That's right. See, Paul knows that there's only one thing that really teaches us to obey God. There's only one thing that teaches us to be godly. And did you see there what it was in those verses? What is it? The grace of God. See, a big stick is not going to teach us to be godly, is it? No. And a huge list of rules, that's not going to change our hearts and teach us to be godly, is it? And pleading and begging and bribing and yelling, that's not going to teach us to be godly. Only one thing will teach people to be godly. Only one thing will change our hearts so that we want to follow God, and that's grace. That's grace. Well, let me explain what grace is. Now, um... Grace is when you deserve someone to punish you, when you deserve for someone to turn and walk away from you and ignore you because you've been really awful to them. And instead, they show you incredible kindness. Instead of rejecting you, they actually welcome you. And instead of punishing you, they actually forgive you. Now, I'll tell you a little story that might help understand. Now, Sometimes, sometimes I can be really grumpy. Yep, anyone like that? Anyone's dad's like that? No? Sometimes I can be really grumpy and sometimes I can be really grumpy and mean to Keely, my wife. Sometimes I can treat her really badly. And when I treat her like that, the only thing I really deserve is for her to walk away to kick me out of the house, say, you're not coming back in, and for her to be angry at me. But you know what? What happens, here's my little balloon. If I'm angry and Keely says, get out of here, what happens to my anger? 
Do I get less angry? No. What if Keely tells me all the things I've just done wrong? What happens to my anger? Do I get less angry? Not really. And what happens if she then starts telling me how I do this all the time and I'm always grumpy and blah, blah, blah. Does that make me any more or less angry? No. That doesn't help me want to do the right thing. But you know what does get rid of all this anger? What really does help get rid of me feeling grumpy and grouchy? I'll tell you what. It's when Keely, instead of being mad at me and mean to me or kicking me out of the house like I deserve, it's when she comes and she smiles at me and she talks kindly to me and she gives me a hug and a kiss and shows me that she loves me. It's when she's kind to me when I don't deserve it. What do you think happens then to all my anger and my sin? The air just kind of comes out of it. At least it should. <laughs> this balloon's a funny balloon. That's right. <laughs> when, when Keely is gracious to me, when she's kind to me, when I don't deserve it, suddenly it... Whew, it just deflates all my anger and all my grumpiness and I don't want to be mean anymore. I don't want to be grumpy and cranky anymore. It's grace that teaches us to be godly. And you know what? When we realize that God has been kind to us when we don't deserve it, when we realize that God, instead of telling us to get out of here, instead of punishing us, instead of treating us like we deserve for him to treat us, when he instead sends his son Jesus to come and to die in our place to rescue us and shows us this incredible kindness that we don't deserve, that grace, just like that balloon, suddenly our desire to sin just disappears. See, it's God's grace that teaches us to be godly. It's God's grace that changes our hearts. That's right. See, Jesus died to save us. And so leaders need to keep teaching us again and again about how Jesus, our King, showed us incredible kindness and grace by dying to rescue us from sin. And that's what teaches us to say no to sin and yes to godliness. And so there's no good having leaders who keep threatening or trying to threaten us to do good or just telling us lots of rules or begging with us. No, we need leaders to keep telling us about Jesus and how God has been kind to us when we don't deserve it. That's what will help us to be good and godly. Now, I often forget grace. Sometimes I see people making dumb choices or doing ungodly things and sometimes I get frustrated with them. I think, ah, why do you do that? But I forget, I've forgotten grace, haven't I? And sometimes with my kids, when my kids are being naughty, sometimes instead of being kind and gentle to them, sometimes I get angry and frustrated and I try and help them to be godly by not being very helpful. Do you know anyone a bit like that sometimes? Do you sometimes a bit like that? Sometimes, maybe sometimes I think yelling at them or getting grouchy at them will help them be godly. But no, there's only one thing that will help them be godly. It's reminding them that Jesus is gracious and me being gracious to them too. 
Now, it's not just leaders in the church who need to keep reminding us about God's grace. Notice in verse 4, see in verse 4, the older women teach younger women to be godly. And it's actually the same for all people because the older men should teach the younger men to be godly too. And that means that parents teach kids to be godly and it also means that big kids need to teach little kids to be godly. See, in God's church, we all are kind of leaders, aren't we? We all have ways that we need to be teaching younger people, teaching other people, and we do that by reminding them of Jesus' grace. And that's how we teach and encourage each other to be godly. Wow. Now, I find this harder as a parent than I do as a pastor. It's a bit easier to be patient and gracious with people who are not my, in my own family. But God is gracious and we need to keep reminding and remembering that it's only God's grace that teaches us godliness. Now, this has an effect, doesn't it? If we live godly lives, let me see. Who can see what this is? Who can tell me what that is? It's a nail, isn't it? Now, I want to pretend this is you, okay? Now, this is us if we don't live godly lives. Was that attracting any other nails? Not really. But when we live godly lives, it does something. It makes our lives attractive, doesn't it? And that's exactly what it says in Titus 2. Did you notice there are a few times that when people live godly lives, it makes the gospel of our Saviour attractive? To other people and so when we live godly lives other people see the way we live and they think wow the news about Jesus must really be good it must really do something it must really be true now I asked you before who drink this water yeah you drink this water wouldn't you why does it look does it look attractive to you why does it look attractive because, Elias, it's clean. It looks nice, doesn't it? You can't see any chunks or bits floating around in there. But what if I was to put that same water into this bottle? Would you drink it then? Does that look attractive? No. And you know, it's just like our lives are a bit like bottles, aren't they? Because if our lives are full of ungodliness and worldly passions on the outside, then the good news of Jesus, even if the water on the inside is clean, it doesn't look attractive. But when our lives, we live godly lives, then to other people it makes the good news of Jesus look good and attractive. So, leaders in God's church must teach grace. Because it's grace that teaches us to live godly lives. And when we do live godly lives, it makes the news about Jesus look good and attractive. 